Archimax login confirmed. Welcome to the Lodge. You've accessed the LodgeCast experience. Warning, warning. Dangerous spoilers ahead. Enjoy. Hello to Matt's Movie Lodge. I am Radon Chong. I want to send love and light to you all at this time. And now, by the power vested in me, I summon the Lodge Cast. The Lodge Cast is a little podcast where we watch weird movies. So you don't have to. The Lodge Cast, baby. Lodge Cast, gonna smoke this. Lodge Cast, listen, movie pass. Lodge Cast. We're gonna watch some crap. Lodge Cast. And then the Lodge Master chat. With Lucas and Bishki. Episode 89 The Five Bloods. Hello and welcome to a full episode of the Lodgecast. I'm your Lodgemaster. With me as always is Brother Bishki. Show enough. Brother Lucas is virtually in the back seat. Hoorah, Master Chief. And. To help us tackle the enigmatic, controversial, always fascinating filmmaker Spike Lee, it's Brother Zach Attack. <laughs> Psyched to be back for Spike on the Lodgecast, on a normal Lodgecast, full length. Yes. Very exciting. Yes. Full episode the way, the way Mr. Lee would like it. That's right. And Brother Bishke, I understand, has been doing some homework yes. on Spike Lee. I've been Is watch- that true? I've been watching lots of Spike Lee. I have a DVD box set called the Spike Lee Joint Collection, which I watched Do the Right Thing, Mo Better Blues, Jun- nice. Jungle Fever, Crooklyn, Clockers. And I also watched 25th Hour. Wow, that's a mm. whole lot of spike. Yeah, yeah. And what what have you gleaned from all that? Yeah, do the right thing is the best. I and mean, he doesn't really top himself. I mean, there's still plenty more to see, but he, I, I don't know if he tops himself after. How that many one. films no. have topped do the right thing in the last thirty years, though? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Just I to know. be fair to Spike here, I know. Yeah. What's do the right thing like uh, watching it in the current social climate? Um, it's it's just the events that we've experienced in microcosm. It's just like Spike just sending out a warning through time. And yeah, it's the ending is amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, in terms of a director, I think he's visually just great in the, in, in the other ones. It's just sometimes in terms of a writer, you know, he could maybe tighten it up, either tighten it up or, or put more incident in. I think certain films would have hit harder if they were like 90 minutes, but they're all kind of over <laughs> over two hours. I, I agree. I definitely think Spike's his own worst enemy because he has to like write everything. He always has to take over the script himself if it's like not from his own work. And I think that sometimes he can get lost in the weeds a little bit and a little distracted in the script. Uh, well, also after like such a seismic cultural cinematic event, like do the right thing was for better or for worse, nobody can say shit to him after that. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like that movie writes a check that he still cashes today. Like, well, he cashed his, it to make Malcolm you know, X also. I mean, for sure. But just talking about like brevity, that's not, 
what he's interested in, right. <laughs> as evidenced with today's film as well, which is, what is it, two hours and 40 minutes? Yes. That's pretty much all I know about this movie. I know it's two hours and 40 minutes, it's Netflix, and it has something to do with Vietnam. That's all I know. Yeah, That's good. I know that much, and I also, the only other really crucial bit of information that I know is that it was supposed to premiere at Cannes last yeah. month which is like oh, really? the number wow. one biggest film festival in the world and absolutely prestigious in the sense that like you're announcing to the world that this is a meaningful important like culturally significant film that should be paid attention to come oscar time and here it is a, a month after can <laughs> normally would take place you know less than a month really and it's already getting dumped on vod um, whoa, 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 which, which is kind of let's clear it up though let's clear it up let's clear it up <laughs> this was always a, this was always a netflix film it's not getting dumped it was always a netflix film it would have had a theatrical with netflix but a yes bit, it would have had the, the netflix the Egyptian, yeah. like yeah. you know ceremonial 50 to 100 screens because Spike and Curon and Marty are powerful enough directors they want to keep happy. But yeah, I mean, for all intents and purposes, this movie was coming out this weekend, um, regardless of COVID. Um, and I believe Black Klansman premiered at Cannes, his last film. And it got a big, big, long standing ovation at that grand finale, which as uh avid listeners of the lodge cast will remember <laughs> got a bit of a standing ovation from uh the boys in the edge after watching the end of that movie so yeah. it, it is interesting to to think about lt about how this film would have been received at can leading up to the build-up uh, of the release in Netflix. And I guess, yeah, sure, like another 50 to 100 screens. I also found out that the script has been around since 2013. So Spike, you know, spent oh, wow. close to a decade trying to find the financing for it. Has Spike always been a part of the, the script or did the script find Spike? Do you that think? I don't know. I'm not I'm not quite clear on the providence of it, but it reminds me just, just a whiff of John Ridley's original spec for Three Kings, which I guess David O. Russell like had rewritten like extensively, so they're not the same thing uh, story-wise. But but this kind of has this John Ridley kind of vibe, I think. And the the last thing I would say is because Black Klansman was kind of Spike's return to form, the big celebration at the Oscars. Of course, he lost to. Another weak sauce, you know. Can't we all get along? Movie. There's a there, there's a Pulitzer Prize winning photo of Spike in his purple tux at the Oscars yep. the night yep. Green Book won, and it like is just <laughs> absolutely devastating an image. And it'll, like it just, it'll never oh my be God. as bad as Do the Right Thing losing to Driving Miss Daisy. That's just kind of like. Ah! I forgot about that. I it's, forgot it's the about simulation that. pissing in our faces is what it is. Yeah, like, you should honestly. never forget about it. <laughs> um, but but I think it's worth saying everyone recognized Black Klansman, despite its flaws, which we, we've admitted, uh, it was definitely a worthy film to be celebrated that year. And certainly... Is going to stand the test of time more than Green Book, and I. Think, well, what's interesting um, is I just looked <laughs> on the Letterboxd app, which all our listeners, you should definitely sign up for a Letterboxd account because it's the, absolutely it's the greatest social media uh, app for film lovers. And what I love about it, as opposed to IMDb's rating system, is the Letterboxd 
community or, or, you know, the people who post reviews are very serious and like well informed on their opinions. So when I did for the most, when I, yeah, when I looked (laughs) up the stats, what was interesting out of 72 directed titles that Spike Lee has made in his career, that black Klansman has eclipsed do the right thing as his highest voted, most wow. popular mm. film. Which that's is not right. S- stunning to me. No, it's not, that's not correct. But I do think it's worth noting that because he did, despite the green book of it all, he was so celebrated for black Klansman. Everyone was so ready to embrace spike and lift him back up to the top of the, the top of the heap again he's playing with house money again and that's going to yep. be in. So, th- and this was the project he did next. So I think that's worth. This is it. This is his Irishman. This is defy right. blood Irishman. <laughs> that's right. He's playing with Netflix. He's got Netflix money. He's got two hour 40 runtime. He's got Delroy Lindo, Isaiah Whitlock are, are in the leads. Like this is spike is, is flexing right now. And I, I, and the only other thing, sorry, one last thing though, I do think it's important for, for Lodgecast listeners Lucas, it's very bright on your screen right now, and I'm a little concerned <laughs> if the blinds aren't down, we're going to have a lot of, it was underexposed, I couldn't see. I couldn't see, see it. Yeah, Were they yeah. in Vietnam? I, I, am, I couldn't see I am recording Vietnam. in, my, in my, uh, my booth, my studio, which is my bedroom, but I will be watching it projected in my living room with the blinds I want it to be drawn a cave. and the doors closed, so it'll be dark. Good. I want it to be, not Van Helsing. Who does Van Helsing murder? Uh, Nosferatu's lair. That's what I want. Yeah. I want Nosferatu's <laughs> lair for Spike here. I want a, a nice, clean setup. Lucas Ferratu. Lodgemaster's already teed up because his, his room is blacked out and there's like a red light on oh, him. Yeah. So he's already right. like in, Leading in by the, example. Uh, midnight movie mode. I'm ready. So, Brother Bishke, any soothsaying words of prediction before we travel to Vietnam with old Spike? <laughs> Every Spike Lee film, all the ones that I watched, he gets a great cast and... It, the actors are always just incredible to watch. So I'm expecting um, the same thing with this one. Like we're going to, we're going to have some great performances for sure. Um, two hours and 40 minutes. We'll let you know what, uh, <laughs> what we're feeling about the whole thing as a whole, but um, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm guessing the opening or closing credits will be real life footage of like dead like black U.S. soldiers in Vietnam or something like just brutal. Strong odds. Strong odds of that, yeah. Well, boys, let's travel into the unknown. Let's boot up our Netflix. And, uh, yeah, this is a full episode, so we're going to watch it now, and we'll come back with the hottest, (laughs) freshest take imaginable on this film. So chopping it up. We'll see you on the other side. Love and light. Love and light. Lock and load.
Oh my God, we are back. We are out of Vietnam. We got choppered out of there. And oh my God, that, that, my friends, was a movie. That was a full Woo! movie. That was a tour <laughs> of duty in Spike Lee country. Before we get into it, before we dig oh into the five bloods. I gotta, I gotta get the schnapps. From Rotten Tomatoes, from Academy Award winner Spike Lee comes a new joint. The story of four African-American vets, Paul, Delroy Lindo, Otis, Clark Peters, Eddie, Norm Lewis, and Melvin, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., who returned to Vietnam, searching for the remains of their fallen squad leader, Chadwick Boseman, and the promise of buried treasure, our heroes, joined by Paul's concerned son, Jonathan Majors, battle forces of man and nature while confronted by the lasting ravages of the immortality of the Vietnam War. I would say that's accurate. Mm-hmm. That's part of it, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's that and so much more. Much like with uh, Black Klansman, Spike is mixing media, he's, he's jumping around in time, and he is not even remotely doing anything that could be mistaken for subtlety in this film mm. he's never been a subtle filmmaker <laughs> no <laughs> and uh, he's not getting more subtle as the years go on he's getting very direct and you know in a way that is refreshing you're just like well holy shit he's saying exactly what he wants to say in the most direct way he wants to say it yeah yeah you i know? mean a newer after the races as soon as delroy lindo sa- says build that wall and i was like whoa <laughs> Before going into in, into the plot, just based on what you just said, it reminds me a little bit of um, David late stage David Lynch in uh, the most recent season of Twin Peaks, where there's like mm. a lot going on, a lot more <laughs> than needs to be going on, and yet a right. lot of interesting shit in the middle of all that. But go ahead, yeah. yeah. I just find it interesting. Yeah. A lot of these kind of guys who made remarkable work in the 80s and a little bit in the 90s spikes recently as well but like now when they have as much money as they need or it appears and full reign they just no one's telling them one way or the other what to do they're just operating they're throwing it all, all all the ideas at the wall this is fully funded absolute autonomy that Spike Lee was given, and it is very clear. Yeah. And the budget's huge. We start with Muhammad Ali with his comments about the Vietnam War. Lucas was entirely correct. Yes. He takes us through stock footage of social unrest in the late 60s and 70s, all with Marvin Gaye on the soundtrack. There's pretty much wall-to-wall Marvin Gaye needle drops in this film. And we are introduced to these four these four guys and we're off to the races right away. <laughs> the yeah. lodge mistress is watching, and she's just like, this feels almost like a documentary, watching these guys reconnect. And it does seem like they're old friends. Like, they got they got some good chemistry going. And as Bishke mentioned, Delroy Lindo, who by far is the star of this film, mm-hmm. like acts the shit out of this movie yeah yeah like oh he's a force of nature yeah partially because he's such a complex character he is a trump head (laughs) like he's wearing a 
make America great again hat through most of the movie, which is such a crazy presence in this film. Yeah. But it's it's fascinating. And the the, the what that hat goes through, the sweaty, the dirty. Hat. Yeah. We were we were thinking about the the person on in the crew that had to weather it, you know, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. In different stages of this hat that it goes through. But the very basic plot is they go back to Vietnam both to recover the remains of their fallen comrade, Norman, Storm and Norman. But in Shades of Capone, they have a bunch of gold hidden somewhere and they've come to get it back and take it home. Yeah, definitely. So th definitely three kings plot kind of. Yeah. But as always with tales like this, except for Capone. Because Capone never finds his gold. But with with tales like this, it's all about the journey. It's about everything around the gold and what the gold does to the men and 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 what it all means to each one of them. Yeah. And over the next two hours and 40 minutes, we get a thorough examination of this. And I, for one, was riveted. I, this is one of those movies where so much shit is being thrown at the wall that you can't even really blink because you don't know what's coming next. You don't know what he's going to throw no. at you. And there's some and... moments of shock <laughs> that will get Every... to that. Oh, yeah. Multiple dragons, I thought. Oh, yeah. It's a Hydra. I feel like um, right after the buddies met each other in the hotel, there's a scene where they go through a nightclub before the yes. hat comes up, where they're moving, they're dancing, they're really getting down, and the camera's Marvin Gaye, gotta give it up. Yeah, yep. and it's like the classic Spike Lee shot where the actors are dollying with the camera. And yep. um, and I was howling because Clark Peters is really go going after it. And just he doing, loves it. Yeah, it was a great, a great dance sequence. Um, but it was a sign of things to come in that like every single Spike Lee trope from all his movies he brings out of the bag, including how he frames it in a way that I think both worked for and against the movie where it's like he wants this movie to be more, he wants this story to be more than it is. And I think it works better in some of his other films than it did for me in this one, but we can get to that later. But, you know, I right. do think it was really interesting just for the first part of the movie. I don't think I've ever seen a Vietnam movie that's centered on black vets before. And I think that's, no. I think it was a really interesting point of view to spend two and a half hours with these guys that are wrestling with the fact of what they gave to the country that was never uh, giving to them in the first place and wrestling with wh whether they should give back to their community or whether they should take for themselves. And they kind of re-explore that idea a number of different ways. And I think on the face of that alone, I think it's an, it's an interesting story and movie to make. But I do think it's like you say about so many other things that sometimes it was about too many things. There's like um, five yeah. Dif yeah. different interesting movies going on at once. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> ambitious, if not overly ambitious. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. If you're going to work on this big of a canvas, it had better be overly ambitious, yeah. you know, <laughs> like give us, give us enough to chew on and we have plenty to chew on. So did it, did it take a while for you guys to get, settled into the timelines and like feel like you were in it i i'm with you that like the buddies felt real um like i liked 
like Lucas's prediction about the opening documentary stuff. Like I was, I was ready to be in that era. And then I saw the buddies, I was with it, but then it started like the rhythm of it was hard for me to get fully into until we were on the river. Well, the flashbacks, the flashbacks are interesting because we change aspect ratio and and film 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 stock Uh i for one am happy that they didn't try to de-age anybody in the flashbacks speaking of the irishman yeah (laughs) the irishman (laughs) but the the flashbacks are just it's a lot of it's a lot of gunfighting at the beginning where you haven't really built up enough to really know what's going on yet other than just general battling together and the the score is so bombastic in the flashbacks right. that it's also not really you're not at that operatic level yet with this movie. I wish yeah, there was yeah. the Marvin Gaye score over the first major flashback sure. combat scene, and instead it was Terrence Blanchard's score, which is Spike Lee's go-to guys, like his John Williams essentially, and it was so heavy-handed. It was like a parody, you know. I couldn't help but like it was chuckle. It was a John couple, Williams parody. Like I couldn't help but chuckle a couple times because it, it was like out of Tropic Thunder almost. Yeah, you know? it was very triumphant. Yeah, great helicopter stunt. But I just I felt like that's what you guys are, are landing on, and I actually agree. I didn't mind the um, not even no de aging. They didn't even try and hide that they were the same age. They didn't do any makeup or hair dye. Or they very clearly made the choice to let them be the the age they are in the present day in the flashbacks, kind of like putting you in their mindset of where they are now, looking back on those memories. And I actually uh-huh. really, I, 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 to me, I thought that was a nice, interesting choice that I haven't really seen done in this kind of a movie before that I yeah. can think of. I probably could have used more of the flashbacks personally, like just in terms of their character development, right. in terms of, you know, the 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 guy um, Chadwick Boseman plays Norm, you know, just in terms of what he meant to them, like, you know, because it get, just kicks off with an action sequence. And there's other sequences that, that you know, there's more dialogue. But, yeah, I, I really like the look of the flashbacks and could have could have probably used a little more of it even it's almost like he's mashing up three different movies a documentary yeah this modern kind of more get on more the bus like conversational like yeah and then the third one is all of a sudden we're in the middle of an action movie shot on grainy film with maximalist music so right um it's really it's a lot <laughs> it was really hard to feel in the rhythm of the movie and then you know there was that scene with where clark peters goes to visit this woman in Vietnam that's going to help them. Um, and he discovers, oh, there's a, a, a biracial daughter that he's like freaked out. Is that my daughter? Is that our daughter? And it's like, obviously. But I just, there was some about it. And Clark <laughs> Peters is an exquisite actor, but I just, I, I don't even think it was him. I didn't love the actress that was that cast scene- there. And that plot was not the best. Well, it was too. Like, it was too early. It was too it early. Was it was so just like, early oh, for a reveal. Man. I was and I, rolling my eyes hard. It I was, was pretty like, funny. So uh, we got. Funny. We had to get through some real. We had to get through some treacherous shit. But once we got onto the boat, and there yep. was like Spike was winking at us, like kind of re- ride of the Valkyries, reclaiming place. ride of the Valkyries <laughs> in a way. He was kind of yeah. like, "This is our version of ride of the Valkyries in Vietnam." I kind of like that. Uh, cause he's just being so overt with it. 
when Delroy Lindo gets into this crazy back and forth with this guy trying to sell him a chicken from a boat. Yes, the pushy chicken vendor. Then I was like, I'm with this movie now. And his son's with them, and it's tense, and Delroy Lindo. And you know, and you know there's treasure afoot. Yeah. If you know that there's a goal of treasure, your movie will go onto the rails so hard. Yeah. And you can do whatever you want, pretty much. Again, Capone notwithstanding. But if you if you have a treasure that everybody's going for, then you can kind of relax on the plot front and just really soak in the characters. Right. Because you know we're headed, we're all headed somewhere. You know, there's a goal. And it kind of went for me, kind of it kind of ebbed and flowed between totally being gripped and being like, boy, you're taking your time, Spike. Until <laughs> yeah. they reach, yeah. they re they discover the gold in the mountain, and that that led into a sequence of scenes that I thought were fantastic. Crazy. I mean, yeah. I mean for me, Crazy I mean, I, I have to yeah. agree. You could yeah. cut out the first hour of this movie. And it still works exactly as <laughs> as a movie. And you, still, it still you, would you work. You still have like another 90 minutes left. And because for me, it didn't start start until they were on the trail and their Vietnamese guide is like, this is a bad idea. I should be going with you. And they're like, no, we got this. And they leave. I clocked it. That was 59 minutes into the movie. And I was like, brah, <laughs> brah. Like, like most movies yeah. are wrapping shit up in 30 minutes. Like you're, you're just getting on to the start of their journey. Like the river doesn't really count. That just kind of like introduces everybody and sets up the PTSD backstory. But like, it took way too long for me to get there. Like way and they too kinda, long. They, they did like, they do a, a point about, let's say f either backstory or thematics. And I feel like he'd do the lifting, the expositional lifting of those um, backstories or thematics multiple times in that first yeah. hour. And I feel you're totally right. Like with the, with the right editing, the movie could have been at minute 30, 35, where it was at minute 50, 55 when the gold's discovered. And I, and, and, and we would have been fine. You know, we could, yeah, we all knew that wasn't going to happen with spike. No, right. we all knew that. Know, we knew that going in. I've watched a bunch of spike <laughs> in the past few weeks. I know that he can get Bishki's prep for this. This is the, <laughs> this is the wiliest uncut spike yeah, that I've absolutely. ever seen. I mean, no, but yeah, he can get, he can yeah. get repetitive when he has final cut. He can just, he can, <laughs> he can hit points over and over again. You're kind of like, yeah. okay, next, next, right. you know, no plot point you know yeah once they get to the gold it's a little silly because the way that they find the gold is delroy's son goes to take a shit and in digging a hole for himself he hits a bar of gold now how do you sit down and write that how do you sit down and, and have that be <laughs> how they find the gold i don't know i don't want to know but we are treated to a glorious sequence in which they all start finding the gold bars and they just rejoice for like 10 minutes. It's a sound dragon to me. I mean, I love it. I loved yeah. it. It's yeah. The Salad Dragon. A scene in a movie that is so bizarre, baffling, or transcendent that it instantly justifies the price of admission. Or Reese Witherspoon's leafy transformation in A Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> It's amazing. And every time you it, think the sequence is over, it keeps going. Oh my god. And they're yes. they're chanting with each other, they're singing, they're like and I'm kind of with it at that point. I mean, well, it's like and it yeah. must be it must be said that we have been introduced at this point 
to Richard Jewell himself, Paul Walter Hauser. He's looking great. His, He's looking fantastic. And his <laughs> and his buddies who work for a company that Lamb. is sweeping for landmines. Yeah. So you know landmines are coming. Love against mines and bombs. We've got a few French characters. You got like the twin imperial forces yep. at play going on here. But anyway, yeah, go Jean ahead. Jean Renault. But you know landmines are coming up. So every time that one of the bloods gets a little too far away from his buddies Ooh. and is rejoicing. You're just like, ah, ah, like the lodge mistress had her head in a pillow, that whole joyous sequence. Right. We're going to stop the plot specifics right around here, but just suffice it to say, landmines do go off in this film. <laughs> just not, not quite what you expect. And then absolutely when you expect. Yeah. A landmine. Whoa. Like, <laughs> And it's it's Salad Dragon City when landmines go off in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Like, God. <laughs> yeah, I knew when the first Salad Dragon arrived. I knew exactly when it arrived, for sure. I mean, it's a wild, woolly movie. Yeah. And I didn't expect to be so consistently into it, though. Mm. Like, I thought I was going to lapse a lot more, and I really didn't. I knew that certain things were being repeated, but... The camaraderie among the gentlemen and Delroy Lindo's performance kept me, it kept me in it. Delroy is like going through it. Like that POV, they're going to some POV We got to talk about that sequence. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing, yeah. Just uh, hmm, how to phrase this, I guess (laughs) in in all movies with buried treasure, everyone kind of turns on each other. And that, of course, happens here. Um, without getting into the specifics totally of how we get there, at one point, basically, there's some Vietnamese pirates or like, what yes. would you, they're, they're there to get the gold. And um, there's, a, there's a whole altercation. After the dust clears, Delroy Lindo's character is, I'm going my own way. And um, he puts on his mega hat and marches off into the jungle. Yeah. And <laughs> we kind of go on our own way. And the movie is like we're deep into the movie. We're, I mean, we're two hours plus at that point, and it's mm-hmm. like we've kind of hit a climax, but now we're kind of taking another breather before the ultimate climax, and we're cutting between the groups. And when we're with Delroy, he's totally snapped, and now he's talking to the camera, moving through the jungle, doing these long monologues, and um, what to say. I mean, he just you just you just see his. <laughs> You see his brain breaking and rebuilding itself over and over again on camera. Yeah. And you, it's totally believable. Like, what an amazing performance. Yeah. And Spike is in no hurry to move on from it either. Absolutely yeah. not. No. I mean, you know, yeah. you know what's going to happen to him, but, right. it, but Spike takes his time and, and dries it out and... He's chewing that jungle and, 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 yeah. and getting every minute out of it. And, and I think, you know, most... Most will enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> and just another point about the Make America Great Again thread. When the guys first meet up at the nightclub, which has Apocalypse Now being projected on yeah. the wall, by the way. <laughs> I love that. I love that, actually. <laughs> Trump somehow comes up and Delroy's saying, yeah, I voted for him. And all the other guys are just like, oh, man, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and this movie, this movie cuts to a clip. Yeah. Of Trump yeah. with a black people for Trump sign holding black man, one black man behind him. Right. The token. And 
and then there's an arrow, a graphical arrow pointing to that man. Yeah. That is what this movie does. Spike will cut to anything at any time. Like <laughs> President Bone Spurs was the uh, ID. Yeah. If Spike makes a reference to anything, he'll cut to footage or a clip or, you know, something like he'll just do whatever Yeah, he wants. He's a collage artist. Yeah. It's a collage. This movie is a collage. And that's part of the reason why it does feel like it's at odds with itself a lot of the time like what would what would this be as a documentary as like a really incendiary actual documentary about this stuff like as it is it's like maybe a fourth of it is documentary feeling even some of the dialogue when people are educating each other about famous black infantrymen of the past you know and different sporting figures you know at a very very key moment yeah i like i like Like, that part actually i do think it all held together but it it's definitely you could wage the criticism that you know what is this is this a documentary is this a movie like what do you want to do spike Mm -hmm. and his answer would be yes yeah, the ten- the, that's why the, the, the tension would leak like, a, you know, a gas tank that gets shot with bullets and, and is, you know, <laughs> nice. it, you know, so uh, you're waiting, you know, yeah, you're losing gas. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and for me, I, I, you know, I had enough gas to make it, but it was unsure that I would get there as <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we would run out. Uh, so for me, I think I was a little less gripped than you at, at times. But then whether it was Delroy or just something that, that Spike would do um, when he pulled out something out of his bag of tricks that would completely grab me again. So I was kind of in and out of this movie the entire time. I agree. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah. No, there's there's great moments. Let's get into it. Let's go to them five blood bones. Let's do it. Bishki, continue talking. What's your bone count? Like I was saying, great moments. <laughs> I don't think a great movie. Um, but <laughs> nevertheless, great moments. Delroy is something to see. You have to see it. I think most of the performances are pretty great. Some of the flashback sequences where, you know, the Viet Cong are doing radio announcements to the oh yeah to the soldiers and those Hanoi are incredible. Hannah. Yeah, and they're playing music to them and Black GI, you are fighting the wrong enemy. Yeah, yeah. Like incredible sequences, but it's it's you feel the length. You definitely feel 240, in in my opinion. It's just Spike doing whatever he wants. And <laughs> and it I think it, you know, in a way kind of captures the craziness and confusion of the time i could talk we could talk a lot more about there's a lot there's a lot to, <laughs> there's, there's a so full much film. there's so much to talk about but for right now i'm going to give it two and a half bones i recommend seeing it because it's uh it's spike doing whatever he wants to do and you have to contend with it and that's always fascinating yeah even if it's not good it's it's somehow right it's something to see yeah <laughs> yeah all right, brother Lucas, what do you got going on for this one? How, uh, how did it look? How did it look on your projection? How was the exposure? It looked yeah. great, although there were a couple night scenes where it got really dark, and I I was I, worried. I was, I was worried. I, was like, I got a squint to see, and they were like, "There's one where it's all blue. It's all blue lit, like real cold cobalt." I need. I have like. Uh, 
like blinds, but I need like duvetine or black Blackout. cloth just black to, to, hang, out. to hang over it during the day because it's been a bright, bright day today. But uh, yeah, I had kind of like narrative whiplash in the beginning because, yeah, it just starts with uh, the archival footage, but then it just cuts to them checking into their their hotel in Vietnam and he like purposely is breaking the 180 degree line. Like he yes. shoots the action on both sides of the line and it's so disorienting. And at first you're like in every student. single way. Yeah. You're thinking like student feature, but then you realize like, Oh no, this is a motif <laughs> that he's like doing throughout the entire movie. And it's so disorienting. And yeah, like uh Delroy Lindo, man, I, I, I want to say he's going to win the Oscar. That's what I said about Ethan Hawke and First Reform. Dude didn't even get nominated, so like I, I doubt he'll get, I, I doubt Delro will get nominated, right? Like if they're he'll not, get if, nominated. If, if they're, they're, they're not going to nominate oh. Ethan Hawke for First Reform. They're not going to nominate Del less Roy movies for this. this year. Lt less movies. Yeah. Well, I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx oh. it, but but he should win. The I have a hundred dollars on it. Lt, yeah. you heard it here. Well, We'll see. If he doesn't, I'll just give you a hundred dollars. If he does, you don't Ooh. have to do anything. But wait, can I just say, were, were we all surprised that <laughs> Ethan Hawke did not even get nominated for Best Actor? I'm not surprised it? about that I at all surprised. because he didn't need it. He didn't uh, need it. Wow. Yeah. He should have been. He should have won. Criminal. Criminal. That movie Zach was criminal. And, Zach and I are Move very on. on the same page on that one. The movie criminal. was criminal. Move on. But, Great but my but 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 yeah, I I was struggling with the first half of it, and then once. They found the gold, like like literally when they found the gold, I started to get into it because I knew all the stuff had been set up to kind of unleash on us in this back half. And they definitely unleash on us and Spike, so yeah, like a great shooter. And I think he was working with uh, Newton Thomas Siegel, who's like a big action director, shot a lot of big action stuff. So it was interesting to see him work with that kind of canvas or that kind of like stunts or effects, if you will. But I'm going to echo brother Bishke's two and a half bones. Cause I think for me at a certain point, I became like emotionally fatigued and it becomes like very bad vibes. Like it's not a happy, like, Hey mom, dad, you got to watch this. <laughs> or like, Hey, like tell my girlfriend, like you got to see this, you know, it's like, I, I feel like, look, it's an amazing performance and it's a good story, which is technically like, yes, the definition of three bones, but I'm not going to tell anyone close to me to watch this. Like, it's just too, it's too dark, man. It's way dark. And you're talking dark thematically, not dark projection. Oh! Right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, I just mean like, yeah, the, like the anger and the guilt and the violence and all of that, like, yeah, Spike doesn't hold back and, uh, it's pretty horrific. There's some images and moments in this movie that aren't easy to stomach. No. All right. Two and a half from the LodgeCast co-hosts. Now we go to our esteemed guest, brother Zach. What do you got? Love and light. Love and light. Um, <laughs> That's a measured love and light. Yeah, well, I'm trying. Of. I'm trying to to hone in on it because, again, we we really could talk for three hours about this, and that's part Easily. of. And that's part of what the problem is. You know, I think about how I felt in his most recent film at the end when he tied together Black Klansmen to the Charlottesville protests and Trump and everything, and it just was bone chilling. It was so effective. And I think of how he did that at the end of Bamboozled and the history of minstrelsy, really effective. He's 
pulled this trick out of his bag many times. And he does it again. Lucas called it. We knew it would <laughs> it would either open or end with it. It opened and ended with it. Mm-hmm. And he did the same thing with the cameras dolling, uh, the actors dolling yep. towards with Clark Peters and his daughter. And I'm like, is this his dream? Is it real? It's unclear, but it's just yeah, also like... Much it, emptier this time. It really felt hollow. Like, I didn't feel moved by that relationship because he didn't lay the groundwork for it. And so... Uh, wrapping it up, it is the crowning performance of Delroy Lindo's career. I mean, he's just incredible in this. So layered, so interesting, so conflicted, so electric. You can't turn away. Every time this movie threatens to fall apart, he pulls it back together. And watch them not nominate him. Like, watch him not get nominated. (laughs) Not possible. I don't think it's... It's it's impossible to watch this movie and not nominate him, if not hand him the award. But I just feel like the movie as a whole, this will not go in Spike's pantheon. For me, I, I would recommend it to anyone just because this is Spike's Vietnam movie and and uh, you got to contend with it. So I actually am right in line with with everyone else so far. It's two and a half. Wow. That's three two and a halves. I'm going my own way. I'm going my own way through the jungle. (laughs) I'm putting my mega hat on and I am slicing through the jungle on my own. I'm not too far off, though. You guys all make... Shooting at snakes, Matt. You're shooting at snakes. You guys make great points. But shit, I mean, <laughs> it, it's so ambitious. And I was, the first hour, this this controversial first hour we've been talking about, I was laughing my ass off. I didn't know if I was supposed to be, but some of it was laughs of recognition. Some of it was laughs at, like, strange performances, like the guy that comes in asking him for money in the nightclub and then later throws firecrackers at him and laughs, <laughs> That at was him. pretty great. That was hilarious i get that it's supposed to be harrowing and show that these guys are all suffering from ptsd or whatnot but it's unintentionally hilarious the scene with the vietnamese woman who has the love child with clark peters hilarious scene (laughs) unintentionally the pushy chicken vendor hilarious but also harrowing it's harrowing hilarious i was totally in on all fronts. I was I was here for the seriousness of the subject matter. I was here for the way that some of it just goes off the fucking rails. And I knew there was treasure afoot, so that was always in the back of my mind. And I was just hanging out with these guys. And I really enjoyed doing that. And Delroy anchored the whole thing. It gets so over the top, but Again, it's Spike Lee. Like, what do you what do you expect at this point? Mm-hmm. The guy is unchecked. He is madness on a cinematic level right now. And I'm here for it. Like, I say give him double this budget next time and see what kind of shit he throws at the camera. Yeah. Like, and what kind of clips he cuts to out of nowhere. <laughs> You're rolling the dice. Sometimes they, oh. they it works, sometimes it doesn't with him. I don't know. I enjoyed this more than Black Clans. Really? Black Klansman has sunk on on the bone level really? in my rearview mirror at this point. Yeah, I, I to circle back with Black Klansman, I was talking about it the other day with someone, and I was like, gosh, you know, I, I think I gave that two and a half bones as well because I remember I was kind of let down with the lack of tension or suspense considering mm-hmm. just what a fucking pot boiler, like powder keg 
loaded yeah. dice, like that kind of setup was, and it just didn't land as hard as it should have, I guess. And this one didn't land either, to be honest. And I like, think it's because of the running time. I seriously like I was just like, oh, but the man. running time, the running time did not bother me this time. Like I when I saw that there were 30 minutes left, I was like, huh, well, I, I could go more than 30. Like it did not bother me. <laughs> but the way that Zach mentioned that it, it's a more of like he's playing his greatest hits at the end. But like when the Eagles play Hotel California in 2020, they're not digging in anymore. I think Spike just kind of it felt tacked on at the end, and that's really too bad. But I'm giving five bloods three bones. That's nice. what I'm doing. Right on. Brother Bishke, you said you rewatched 25th Hour recently, correct? Yeah, yeah. Is Isaiah Whitlock is in that one too, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. He's a detective, small role in that film, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is now the second film, second Spike Lee, Isaiah Whitlock collaboration, where Isaiah Whitlock, at a really opportune moment, does his patented she. That's where it, I was like, I was like, where it's have I wire. heard that before? Yeah, it's the, the wire. wire. Too. There you go. He does it yeah. in everything. It's his okay. move. But yeah, it's is, his trademark. is there an actor? who has a move like that. I know The Rock had the eyebrow for so long. Whitlock, though, is like a, a much better actor than The Rock. But like Whitlock <laughs> pulls shit out of his bag of tricks yeah. in almost every movie. It always is appropriate. I no, was fucking iconic. howling yeah. when he did it this time. Yeah. And yeah. it's a deep, long one, too. They it's waited like at a least long five or seven years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he waited until like deep into this film to to to, to yep. use his his one go. Shit. I knew it was coming too. Yeah, I could feel amazing. It. I could feel amazing. It. Do you think they had a conversation about like, you know, when when we're gonna drop it? This yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was from day one. And from again, day one, they knew. And again, Lodge Master, if you like the wild and woolly Spike Lee, check out Chirac. I don't, I don't recommend it. To I any, know, I know, you've been on me. About I don't Chirac. recommend it to anyone else but the Lodge Master. Lodge Master, I'm ready it. now. Yeah, I watch it tonight. Okay. I'm ready right good, now. Good, good. <laughs> well, boys, that's the five bloods. Did we it? Did it? Wow. We spent we spent our whole day on it. Good afternoon. <laughs> if everybody could only see this Zoom meeting, yeah, and all the fists going fists in. Fists up, folks. Oh my God, Spike. Well. Spike, you've done it again. Yeah, many more, Spike. Brother yeah. Zach, thank you for uh, lending your time sure. and your sparkling insight. You know, thank you guys. There was something doing it this way, how we normally used to do it, right? Yeah. There was something real nice because we were all going into it together. And so even yes. though we were all yeah. watching it on our own couches, there was there was a camaraderie that I I could felt, feel you guys. Yeah, oh, and man, I was like, I wonder what they're thinking. Dragon. I yeah, I was like, like oh, I, I'm like, oh, I bet. Man. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It feels good to know we're all watching it together. Yeah, it does. Daddy. Yeah, it does. That's that's the camaraderie of the bloods. You know? That's right. Yeah. Love you, boys. Yeah, much love. All right. Yes. Love and light. Love and light to the lodge. Love and light. Love and light.